The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today, we're so lucky to have two of my friends coming back, two of the world's eminent researchers in Alzheimer's disease, also Down syndrome. But we got two for the price of one today. We have Dr. Marsha Ratner of Boston University and neurotoxicants.com and James Hendricks, the chief scientific officer for Lumind. And because they're smarter than me, I'm going to have them each introduce themselves more thoroughly. Dr. Marsha Ratner, you're first. Hi, Hacky. Um, I'm Dr. Marsha Ratner from the Department of Pharmacology and Experimental Therapeutics at the Boston University School of Medicine. Um, and um, I also run a consulting business called Neurotoxicants.com. Jimmy, you're up. Hi, uh, hi, Hacky. I'm Jim Hendricks. I'm the Chief Science Officer from New Mind IDSC. Um, we're a, a small nonprofit focused on Down syndrome research and um, of course, we'll talk about this more later, but we have a big interest in Alzheimer's disease in Down syndrome. Okay, so without further ado, let's get right into it. I want this to be the state of the union in Alzheimer's research now. I just mentioned parenthetically that, of course, Down syndrome Unfortunately, now, if I have Down syndrome and I live long enough, I have about a 90% chance of developing Alzheimer's disease. But let's start out with the State of the Union today, as we speak, 2021, in Alzheimer's research. James, we'll have you go first. <laughs> well, I'd say that... Um... The biggest news in the Alzheimer's field in 2021 was the um, accelerated approval of a new drug by the FDA in June of, uh, of this year. This was the first drug of, uh, of approved by the, uh, the FDA in, I think, 17 years, first brand new drug, totally new drug for Alzheimer's disease. This was a very controversial decision um, I know Marcia and I will talk more about the controversy around it, um, but th this is also, I'd say, a lot of people are opposed to the decision. Some people are, were for it, but it's definitely changed the landscape, and, um, and we can talk about how that's, uh, how that's making um, maybe the future look different than it was even just a few months ago. Marcia, you're up at bat. Okay, uh, so, um, you know, Hacky, I was actually interviewed about um, aducanumab before it was approved. And um, at the time I said that Biogen has a lot more work to do. And um, they're doing that work now. You know, they're doing a, this is an ongoing trial. Even though it's approved, there's an ongoing trial. And if there are any problems that surface, the drug will be pulled from the market. There were safety concerns along the way. The cognitive endpoints were not all met. And um, this is one of the first drugs that's been approved 
for its clearance of a pathology implicated in the disease without really showing consistent clinical improvement. And this is very controversial, um, which is why there's a, a, what we sometimes think of as a phase 3B or a, a, an, a, an after approval or post approval kind of study. So the, the, the drug is not fully approved. And of course, um, it's got a lot of hurdles to overcome. Uh, and so I said then we've cut the ribbon, uh, but we haven't broken ground yet. Okay, so what I want to do is put the drug to the side. Why? Because as exciting as it is, I'm looking at it either one of two ways. Either it's going to be the greatest thing since Pepsi-Cola, which opens up the whole gateway to all these new drugs, and hopefully they'll show a correlation between cleaning up all that debris and the clinical implications. So that's one scenario. The other scenario is it doesn't pan out, all right, which we hope it does, but jury's still out a little bit, though it's been approved. Now, let's look at others. What's the other stuff besides the one possible wonder drug? Right. So can I chime in? Um, so, you know, the one of the targets of aducanumab are the obvious oligomers, which are smaller molecules than the big aggregates that we think of as plaques. And um, there are other drugs in the pipeline that are targeting these oligomers. And um, they're in phase three trials now. And so uh, the, the target is not you know, all gone. The, 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 I think, like I said, we cut the ribbon. Um, we've got a lot of learn. We've got a lot to learn, and, and, and there's a lot of information coming from this. But the oligomers, these oligomers, which are sort of clumps, but they're smaller than our bigger uh, plaques, are really starting to look like the target that's going to be the game changer. Okay. Now, Jim, at Lumind, you are trying to build lots of bridges and lots of partnerships. Uh, can you talk about some of the potential with them as it pertains to Alzheimer's? Sure. Um, you know, as you mentioned, um, the, the Down syndrome population is really affected by Alzheimer's disease at an extremely high rate, much higher than the general population. But even, even with that, very few people with Down syndrome have been in an Alzheimer's disease clinical trial. So um, that's something that Lumine would really like to, to see changed because, you know, Aduhelm, for example, um, received accelerated approval from the FDA, but it's never been um, tested in a Down syndrome population. So we don't know if this drug is safe or effective. There are papers out there that say it's not appropriate for use in the Down syndrome population. So that's, that's kind of that's pretty heartbreaking, you know, that we finally have this approved drug and, and, and experts are saying it shouldn't be used in the Down syndrome population because we don't have enough data. So that's something that we want to change. And, um, you know, we see other drugs coming down the pipeline. We see, uh, you know, there's a, there's a rich Alzheimer's pipeline of drugs and we would just like to see more and more done. So at Lumine, we have a, we're sponsoring a study uh, called Life DSR. Uh, which is a natural history study, which means we, we observe adults um, uh, with Down syndrome and we, and we study them and we see how they might be progressing 
toward um, Alzheimer's disease. We do we test their cognition we, over time. We test their function over time. We also take blood samples and look for um, biomarkers in their blood that could indicate the progression toward Alzheimer's disease. So um, one of the things we've done recently is we've been able to sign up a couple of big pharma companies to further support our research. Um, and we're expanding the work we're doing to add um, uh, a study on a, on a type of assessment scale called goal attainment scaling, which is a way of uh, caregivers can report how their loved ones are doing in a very systematic way. <laughs> and we're also expanding the biomarkers we're looking at. So we're gonna expand to do um, uh, cow pet imaging. So this is a way of, of imaging uh, the brain, taking a picture of a living brain to see evidence of the tau, pro uh, the tau tangles that appear <clears throat> as someone progresses toward Alzheimer's disease. And we're also gonna be collecting cerebral spinal fluid. Again, it's a sub-study. It's not the entire 270 that's in our natural history study, but um, we're excited about getting this uh, forward, moving this forward. And we're also excited to, to see companies um, showing interest in this very important population that's been frankly neglected for, for far too long. Very good point. Marsha, how does this interface with the research you're doing at Boston University. So, you know, Hacky, I just had a paper come out where we're looking at a compound called alpha-5IA, which is a negative allosteric. That means that it modulates a site next to, but not directly at, where the neurotransmitter that's involved in inhibitory neurotransmission binds to the cell on this receptor. And um, we um, uh, found that in Alzheimer's disease, the response of the circuit to this modulator of this type of receptor called the alpha-5 type GABA-A receptor is lost in an animal model of Alzheimer's disease. Now, why this is important is one of the few drugs that's been investigated for Down syndrome is basmicinil. And this compound failed to meet its endpoints, but it's tar it's, it goes after the same target. And so um, we're, we certainly know that um, we're, there's a commonality here. There's something that you can read the tea leaves and say, well, what's going on in, in, in Downs and what's going on in Marsha's work in Alzheimer's and, and what might this tell us uh, about uh, different targets? Um, but we're optimistic that our work in Alzheimer's will shed light on the down population and um, help us to develop novel therapeutics. Let me let me just comment. Um, one of my one of the things I think is really important is that research is never done in a vacuum, and that what we learn about one population can can teach us about another population. And, um, you know, there's another population that Marcia didn't mention. There's the, this autosomal dominant uh, population where people have ge a genetic mutation and they, and they get Alzheimer's disease at a much younger age, their early onset age. So all of these populations, whether it's Down syndrome, the sporadic AD population, late onset population, and the ADAD population, can, they're all can be studied in isolation. But what we learn about each of those populations can help inform um, are better uh, give us a better understanding of Alzheimer's disease as a whole. And so I think that's one of the reasons we need to do this research. So true, so true. 
And you've both, we've established the Alzheimer's Down syndrome link, if you will. Are there any third players, any other players, or is it just those two? Well, Hacky, um, there's a company called Alzion, and they're working on an orally bioavailable compound that targets the oligomers. And this is one of the compounds that's in phase three clinical trials. Um, if that's successful, it will be a big uh, benefit over aducanumab, which requires infusions and uh, it's uh, the delivery is very difficult and invasive. And obviously for the Down syndrome population, it raises a whole uh, other level of, of, of complexity. Um, if that compound is successful, um, it may be a easier uh, clinical trial to get approved and tested in the Down syndrome population where you're not going to have to do these infusions. Jim, you have something to add to that? Well, I would just comment that we, we have, um, in the shorter term, we know that um, uh, the Adjuhelm approval has opened the door um, and it kind of created a precedent for, with the FDA for how to get new, new drugs approved. So Eli Lilly has announced that they're going to go with their um, um, anti-amyloid antibody uh, to the agency next year using the same approach that Biogen did to get Adjuhelm approved. And then there's, there's two others that are in the same class. And um, so I guess I would be really, really depressed if Adjuhelm were approved and there was nothing else coming in the pipeline. Um, so we'd be stuck with this uh, very controversial, somewhat flawed or potentially flawed drug. Um, um, and, and we'd have nothing else uh, to compete with it for, for the foreseeable future. But that's not the situation we find ourselves in. And I think that that's what's exciting and encouraging is that we're, we're, there's, there's other candidates that are working way through the pipeline and there, there's other approaches as Marcia mentioned. And I think um, you know, there's some anti-tau uh, therapeutics that are in the pipeline as well. And the thing that I really wanna see, um, the thing that, that I am most excited about is that someday we'll be able to do combination therapy in Alzheimer's disease because we know complex diseases like cancer and, and other diseases um, are most effectively treated when you treat them with a combination approach, a cocktail of sorts. And we know that Alzheimer's disease is more than one thing. Anyway, we, we know that we see amyloid plaques and tau tangles. I mean, Dr. Alzheimer's 100, over 100 years ago, the first pathologist to look at brain tissue of a person with Alzheimer's disease, that's what he saw, that's what he noted. So he noted two things at the very beginning. So we need to, so we might need a drug, a drug cocktail to really, really tackle this disease. That's very well said. Very well said. Very exciting, too. You know, sometimes we forget the history of all of this stuff, you know, and we can we can almost come full circle if we're not careful. Um, aside from drugs, um, is there anything else in the pipeline, um, whether it be electrical or surgical or non-medicinal, if you will? Yeah, there there are some. Um, there's a de there's a device approach that uh, we're aware of that uh, um, uses uh, 
uh, gamma ray pulses into through the eyes that help to kind of reset. This is uh, some research that came out of MIT. Um, and um, there's a, a company um, that has been spun off from that and they're, they're in early stage trials and they're, they have an interest in, in also in Down syndrome. It's a company called Cognito. And, um, um, you know, this is, it sounds weird, <laughs> but, um, you know, there stranger things have, have happened. And so, um, you know, yeah, we, we are very much um, interested, you know, I mean, it's, uh, as far as I can, I, I'm concerned, it's such an important and big issue that any um, idea is worth um, taking a look at, as long as it doesn't um, cause potential harm to any uh, participant um, that, that can't be managed uh, safely. Um, you know, there's no clinical trial that can be done with, with no risk, um, but you always have to, to, to weigh the risk benefit of anything that you, that you try. So, you know, Haki, one of the things that we're looking at very closely in Alzheimer's and neurodegenerative diseases in general, but in Alzheimer's in particular, is the, we call the um, Mediterranean diet. And combined with sleep, uh, changes in sleep to improve sleep, Mediterranean diet methods to reduce stress, meditation, um, and removing people from any potential sources of exposure to chemicals. We're finding more and more that fine particulate matter uh, you know, in the air is uh, implicated in Alzheimer's disease. And so um, everything that we can do to uh, slow and avoid the onset of the disease without doing any harm, as, 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 as James says, you know, the, the real thing here is first do no harm in this population. And so a Mediterranean diet, extra sleep, these kinds of things can be beneficial overall to health and, and not cause any harm. Yeah, and uh, the usual suspects such as exercise, healthy living and healthy lifestyle. You know, right now, what I'm trying to do is find some way to give our differentbrains.org audience, the people who might be watching this interview, who have family members with Alzheimer's, to give them some hope. You've given them some hope with the research you're doing, informing us today about the different markers, about some of the drugs in the pipelines and some of the approaches. And, um, you know, we have to we have to try to give people hope with this. So it's just not like, well, too bad. Uh, let's uh, do it. And the things that make sense, even once one is afflicted, are the diet, the nutrition, the socialization, the exercise, keeping things busy, joining groups, doing different things, and trying to change behaviors for the better. I know that sounds, uh, you know, like it's certainly not as sexy as uh, here's a pill you take and it you know, stops. But uh, well, it's but there is excellent research that's ongoing now to 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 quantify the and measure what you can achieve. So there, uh, several years ago, a group out of Finland did a study called the Finger Study. I forget what the acronym stood for, but they did a. They, they did, they studied these lifestyle approaches in a clinical trial type approach. They had a group of seniors that, that had the Mediterranean diet, they had regular exercise, social interactions, all this sort of thing. And they compared them to the to a senior population that just was treated, was managed normally 
and 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 they saw improvements in the group that they was they were treating. And so this is this effort is being repeated across the world. And in, in the U.S., there's a study called U.S. Pointer. And and the reason that you have to do it in different countries is every country has kind of different cultural norms, right? So um, you know you may want to you might want to play um, um, a different sport depending on type. Uh, country that you're in, you might like different foods depending on the country you're in. So you have to kind of adapt it for each culture, but the idea remains the same. And, and you know, it comes down to, you know, simple thing, you know, what's good for your heart is probably good for your brain. Yeah. And, and it's also, you know, it, it's also what, um, you know, my mother t- told me, which was, you know, eat your vegetables and go outside and play. Um, you know, these are things that are good for your brain. And they're also life, they're lifelong things. One of the things that we've observed is that people with higher education, who have attained higher education, um, have lower rates of Alzheimer's and dementia later in life. So that, that's kind of counterintuitive because you usually are educated as a young person, uh, either a child or as a young adult. Why would that impact your brain decades later? Well, it's because brain health is a lifetime thing, and you shouldn't just wait until you're you retire to worry about your brain health. You need to worry about your brain health all along the way. And this is important when we think about the two-hit model, right? That there could be things that occur during development, like exposure to lead, which come back later to interact with aging. And um, so, you know, we, we the more we know about these interactions, the more we know about the environment and gene interactions, the, the better we're able to sort of parse out where things begin and, and, and where we can intervene to provide protection um, by you know, making minor adjustments early that may have big benefits later. Now to our, um, to our audience who are not at the same level of uh, education as both of you, tell us the big difference organizationally between how a research system works at a Boston university versus at a not-for-profit like LUMIND, or if they're the same? Well, we're supported primarily by NIH grants. So BU is a not-for-profit and we seek funding from the NIH. um, And then we use that funding to do our research. And if we're successful, we go back and we ask for more funding. Um, So, we are a non-for-profit too. It's 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 a it is a non-for-profit business model, um, and, uh, and all of the research is supported by either non-government organizations or the NIH or, or uh, some other uh, government organization like the National Academy of Science or some, some other organization that might want to give out grants. The Parkinson's American Parkinson's Disease Foundation. Uh, the Alzheimer's uh, Drug Discovery Foundation, and these other organizations have grants as well. And and so Lumine, yeah, we we um, are supported by donors who um, you know maybe care about the cause and care about Down syndrome research. So there could be an individual um, with a wealthy individual. It could be a just a person of modest means who gives us a few dollars, um, and it call also. As I said, we get funding from from companies as well because we really believe in engaging with the pharmaceutical industry because they've kind of ignored this population over the years. So we're trying to um, build that out. Now, Lumine 
um, IDSC used to um, provide a lot of academic grants. So we've kind of moved away from that model because we're building a clinical trial network to try to encourage more trials. So we fund um, 14 um, largely academic uh, medical centers around the country that, uh, that care for people with Down syndrome. And the idea is that then we can use those centers to do clinical trials um, in the future. And, um, and so that's kind of how our, our model works, but it's a, there's a lot of fundraising, <laughs> a lot of, um, you know, hopefully people who, again, care about our cause, um, who, who like what we do and are willing to um, contribute uh, for, for that. Well, you're both to be commended for all the work and research you're doing and helping others. And uh, we here at differentbrains.org and with our neurodivergent 18 plus year old interns who are doing some research of their own here. And we're so lucky to have as our volunteer director of research, Dr. Marsha Ratner of Boston University. So Jimmy, Jim, you better be careful because we're going to draft you in here. Too. <laughs> Watch your P's and Q's. Great idea. Yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I have to say that all of our different brains represented by our interns who uh, are all smarter than me and all their brains are a little bit different from autism to tuberous sclerosis to epilepsy and, uh, you know, you name it, we got it. They're a great bunch, and they're uh, very appreciative, Marsha, of the uh, help and guidance you're giving them. And uh, the, this team is putting out some good research, too. So we hope to make a difference. Yes, so we're, we're, they're really wonderful to work with. And the enthusiasm is infectious, I guess, for lack of a better word. It's yeah. just great. Is there any other, any other material that you'd like our audience to know about that we didn't cover in these sessions? I think one of the, from, from me, you know, if we, I know we didn't want to talk too much about Adjohome, but, um, you know, Marsha mentioned that there's side effect issues. And it's important that people know that there are this, this side effect known as ARIA that's strongly associated with Adjohome. And it requires for people, the FDA even put this in the label, anybody who's on Adjuhelm has to get a couple of MRIs, brain MRIs. So if you're a person who can't, you know, in different brains, if you're a person that can't tolerate being in an enclosed space with a lot of loud noise, um, you should not be on Adjuhelm because that's the only way we can, that the clinicians can know if, that, if, if you're, you're getting ARIA. Um, so it's a really important um, uh, part of the, the, the monitoring for the safety of the drug. Um, if you wait for somebody to be symptomatic, that the aria means that you, you have edema, swelling of the brain, or you have microhemorrhaging, uh, so you have a brain bleed. Um, if you wait till you're symptomatic with one of those things, it's, it, it, it'll, be, it'll be bad. So we want to catch it. They want to catch it early. And usually if you go off the drug, then it resolves but you have to be able to detect it early before any, any serious damage is done. And that requires an MRI. Well, thanks for the heads up. That's an important point. Um, Marsha, anything you'd like to add? Um, that's, that's about it. And that's all I've got for today. Um, I, I think this is, as, as James said, this is 
you know, uh, calling attention to our work um, is really important uh, because people know what we're doing and then they know where their tax dollars are going when the NIH is funding research like this. And we don't have, a, you know, skin in the game. You know, we, we're not a for-profit company. We're doing this for more, more altruistic reasons. And hopefully the outcome will be to benefit society. Well, that's great. Well, I want to thank you both and thank Boston University and thank Lumine and uh, James Hendricks, Marsha Ratner. You two are wonderful. And I hope this won't be the last time we get together, but I want to thank you all very much and keep up the great work. Thanks for being here at Different Brains. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.